Welcome to the New Species Podcast. I'm your host, Zoe Albion. On this podcast, we learn about recent discoveries of species that are new to science, but not necessarily new to nature. We ask scientists how they found these new species and why they matter. We learn about what makes a new species and hear some behind-the-scenes stories along the way. So join us as we explore the biodiversity of our planet and the scientists who help us better understand it. Welcome to the New Species Podcast. I'm your host, Zoe Albion, and I'm here with Dibya Jyoti Ghosh, Senior Research Fellow at the Southern Regional Center of the Zoological Survey of India in Chennai. He's here today to tell me about his paper in Volume 9, Issue 1 of the Journal of Insect Biodiversity and Systematics, in which he and his co-authors describe a new species of small carpenter bee from northern India. Welcome, Dibya Jyoti. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Hello, Zoe. So this paper is about hymenopterans of the genus Ceratina, the small carpenter bees. They're these really beautiful bees, sort of dark and shiny uh, and very small, uh, as you say in your paper, between 2 and 12 millimeters in length. Um, so does this genus simply describe carpenter bees that are small, or are they called small carpenter bees for another reason? Uh, so basically, Ceratina, uh, genus Ceratina is known as the small carpenter bees, but commonly called carpenter bees are actually denoted for two other genuses. Those are Xylocopa, that is large carpenter bees, and other one is Ceratina, which is small carpenter. As we can know from their common names that large carpenter bees, Xylocopa, are actually having larger body size in uh, length and breadth in both cases, and small carpenter bees are having smaller in size, Comparatively, and also very small they have with the fragile body size. So that is why they are called as small carpenter bees for Ceratina. And what originally captured your interest uh, about these bees? What made you study them? My initial career days, I studied biodiversity assessments in the Indian Himalayan region. So by doing that, I, I understood that plant pollinator interactions are very important in high altitude regions because as resources are very scarce, so it is very important to document and understand the different uh, interactions between flowers and other species as flower visitors. So then I understood that bees are one of the most important pollinators in high altitude regions as well as in other ecosystems also. But uh, information on bees from Indian Himalayan regions are very scanty. So I wanted to address those areas. And uh, as also we can see the world of bees is, uh, comes in different color and different size. And it is very beautiful to my eyes. Their patterns of coloration, their patterns of hovering on flowers, it, it mesmerized me in field. So I definitely decided to work on bees of India. And they have great diversity in uh, social behaviors as well. So could you describe your bees to us and talk about what makes this group so interesting? Yes, that's a very nice question. Actually, uh, whenever common people refer to bees, they uh, intrinsically refer to honeybees. Honeybees are of genus Apis, right? But uh, it will be very astonishing to know that honeybees are actually a very fragile component of the whole biodiversity of bees of world. So uh, it is almost, uh, there are almost 22,000 species approximately, wow. which are described on uh, bee fauna of world. But, uh, and from India, it is almost approximately as uh, 766 species of bees. Which, of which only 12 species are from Apis genus and others all are from 
solitary bees. Now, Ceratina is also a solitary bee, but uh, these are known for their different social structures. Like they have a solitary state, they have a semi-social state, they have a sub-social state. So now, when we say about solitary, here we refer as one single mom bee actually having their own nest and uh, taking care. Sometimes they take care of their uh, offspring, or sometimes they just put enough food and plug the nest entrance and they leave because they have a uh, different life cycles on their life. And in semi-social or sub-social life cycle, we can see that one queen bee or one female bee that is in nests uh, taking care of all the uh, offsprings and other females are actually going outside for foraging purposes and taking all the pollens for feed to inside nest. So these are all the social structures we can see in Sayatina all over the world, not only in India. And that is how it is make, uh, studying them makes very interesting to know how different social structures actually evolved through different lineages. I, I think that's really amazing. And you say all over the world, where exactly are the small carpenter bees found? Actually, small carpenter bees are very common in all over the world, except uh, Antarctica. They don't have there. And uh, very limited distribution in uh, Australia. Otherwise, carpenter bees are very well distributed in all over the world, as well as they are very cosmopolitan species. So if you are doing a surveys for bees in different habitats, whether it is urban or semi-natural or natural area, you will definitely get across to carpenter bees. And in particular, you and your team collected this bee from the eastern Himalayas. So why did you choose to survey here? Uh, actually, our study was done in Arunachal Pradesh, the easternmost uh, state of India. So that is that comes under a biodiversity hotspot region. And it is very, very uh, rich in uh, flora and fauna from the region. But uh, unfortunately, due to very rough terrain and uh, inaccessibility, Surveys are very less in that area, and we have very less information on the biodiversity, specifically on bees from Arunachal Pradesh. And the, our study specifically was done in Tawang, that's a high altitude region in uh, Arunachal Pradesh. And uh, that that district area have very less uh, populations, only 17 per square, 17 people per square kilometer they have. With respect to other than uh, other districts of India, it is very very less. And also the area has 83 percent of forest cover. And the people who are living there, they are mostly belongs to Monpa tribe. The tribe, they are mostly Buddhist. So they have a CC approach, that is community conservation approach, where they uh, don't uh, kill any kind of animals or they don't harm any animals. So this, this is uh, part of their deity. The region is very rich in uh, biodiversity altogether. And as there were very less, only us. A uh, single survey were earlier done by Zoological Survey of India only to know the insect diversity of Tawang district. So again, we have rejoined uh, the effort and we are trying here to understand the hymenopteran diversity from that region. This is a really interesting example of science, which is sometimes considered apolitical or separate from human politics, being influenced by religious practice. What is it like to navigate those forces in your research? So in my study, I had a bit of difficulty to access most of the regions, which may have been having more uh, potential to have a different species or have a different alpha diversity from the region. The Tawang region is very famous for its uh, cold and harsh climate because uh, of, uh, of the 12 months, uh, four months here is full of uh, snow, snow-covered area. And also four months there is on, only rain. 
almost 1800 millimeter rains it's uh, yearly in tamang so it gives us only 4 months 2 months to have a survey and get to know the area and also those areas are very inaccessible so it is a very harsh terrain to work or do research that is why it is very uh, less studied area one of the very less studied area in india so we wanted to uh, address that you you have so many obstacles there what does collecting actually look like so uh, as i said that uh, actually collecting bees mainly uh, requires different skills like you have you can always do sweep netting sweep netting by by meaning of sweep netting we are saying that we have a in butterfly net or big hemiptera collecting net insect nets and we just sweep on uh, opportunistically when we see different bees and by that we can use uh, different uh, standardizing met- method we use uh, transect works and uh, also we deploy pan traps that is uh, bowls of different colors like we use only yellow blue and white as it is established that these three colored pan traps are uh, very well attracted for well adjusted for bees for different landscape all over the world so we place them overnight in a suitable habitat mostly in different uh, Uh, regions where flowers are abundant and also we try to do opportunistic surveys on sweep netting there are also different uh, ways to collect bees like mallet traps and all but uh, our area did not support all those areas we tried to uh, deploy them but uh, like mallet trap had a problem that uh, wild hogs <laughs> or wild monkeys they come <laughs> in and they destroyed my mallet trap two times no <laughs> this problem also sufficed my uh, pan, uh, pan trap efforts also uh, pan traps would get lost or we couldn't find multiple pan traps <laughs> but still those were very uh, wonderful experiences uh, most of the collections i have done by hand dating only and pan traps are also given most of the specimens in my studies wow and when i was reading your paper i was really appreciating the pictures of these bees i mean they're they're absolutely beautiful they have these really um striking yellow markings so uh when you're collecting these bees in the fields are you able to sort of identify those bees based on those markings uh by sight like it, like at least to genus that's a very nice question actually because uh, right now taxonomically indian not only indian but southeast asian bees are very uh, uh in a very problematic way to understand or identify taxonomically till species level so i am basically doing a natural history observation study so because in that area uh, that what that defines is i stand and i just watch bees uh, in different plants how they are moving so if you are trying to understand how, which bees are there you have to have a some kind of previous experience on which kind what kind of bees are actually present in there first and secondly it is also needed that uh, how bees are actually sh- uh, sharing their own size or their flying pattern in different plants are very different what i have understood like ceratina bees you are asking in like the yellow marking so ceratina bees have uh, 23 subgenera in all over the world out of which seven subgenera are found in india the markings you are talking about are found in most of the ceratina bees but the extensive yellow markings are found in uh, exclusive subgenera that is called ceratinidia so it is very much constricted to oriental region only and uh, these bees are having very uh, exposure of yellow colors in their different body parts like mouth parts abdomen uh, legs faces 
thorax. So by that the the exposure of yellow colors, you can understand that subgenus only. But uh, identifying till species is very difficult on air. It need it has very minute characters so that uh, we can we can only uh, differentiate them by looking into the microscopes. So how do you determine that this species is a new species? So frankly speaking, when I first uh, encountered the species in field, I did not know it is a new species. But uh, of all the specimens I have collected from the region, I came back in my laboratory and I started analyzing them and doing taxonomic works. Then I, uh, when I started to work on the keys of Radina bees from the region, I found that this bee is not uh, fitting into the existing keys. So I then understood the novelty of it. And uh, also I uh, consulted one of a very famous uh, Radina taxonomist, Michael Tedzo. I am very much... Uh, uh, thankful to him for his constructing comments in my manuscript. And he also thought it is a very good uh, and very beautiful contribution to the, the taxonomy of Seratina. So only after coming to my laboratory and stretching the bees, then only I could understand this is a new species. Also, I have several other Seratina bee species with me also from the region, which are very exciting. It is not published yet, but it will be soon. That's definitely something to look forward to. How did you and your team choose the name for this new species? We have named the species as a Tawangensis Espinov. Tawangensis uh, is named after the region we have found the specimen, that is the Tawang region. So the region is, uh, as I told earlier, is very much uh, less explored and it, uh, future exploration is very much needed in the area to understand all the biodiversity, not only bees but others also. So for uh, Getting a popularity need, we named this species as Tamangensis for the region. Also, I wanted to uh, give my prayers to them as they are very, uh, very much uh, co-evolved, I say, with pristine habitat and maintaining the region for their own uh, deities. For that only, I named the species as Tamangensis. That's really nice. And this paper not only describes a new species, but it also provides an updated checklist of the Seratina species in India, um, and it, it also beautifully maps their distribution. So, so why is this information important? As I said earlier, that the informations on bees and their distribution in India are very scanty knowledges. So the knowledges are actually very scattered in different literatures, and I wanted to collate it all in a single literature so that those who are working, they can uh, start from this. Because when I started, it was all kind of uh, scattered and scrapped. So I had to make a full checklist and distributional pattern of India. And I wanted to know that which areas are actually surveyed more or which areas we need to focus and which areas are actually having more biodiversity so that uh, we can understand in future studies that how uh, different areas are to be a priori sampling can be done and different regions for of main interest should be pointed out. And this project was significant not only because it revealed a new species, but your paper also showed some really important firsts for Indian biodiversity. Uh, actually, uh, our paper gave the new species of uh, Fredena tawangensis as well as our first record of Fredena bryanthi species. That species was uh, found in mostly uh, Nepal and uh, Thailand and different regions of Indonesian uh, islands. But uh, the most of the most important thing which I found is in 1952, Van der Weck also reported this species, not from India but from Thailand and other regions. And where he said from Nepal, they found this species uh, in two different morphs. Morphs means two different morphological colors. One is 
yellow and one is a dull yellow. But they said that these two different morphs are actually found in two different altitudinal bands. Interestingly, in my study, I found them in both in single altitudinal bands. I mean, I found them in same similar regions with same altitude. So initially, I was very interested to understand that whether it is the effect of climate change. Because if a species is uh, found in two different altitudes, that means they are accustomed with the climates and topography of two different altitudes. That is in 1950. So 70 years later, I am finding it in India in a same altitude pattern. So maybe maybe we can conclude or we can uh, say that uh, climate change is also happening in uh, Indian Himalayan regions also for warming issues. Of, but as I did not have enough uh, evidence for that, I did not uh, conclude it like that. But maybe a future area of research, that, that's really interesting. And there's such a big uh, climate difference in the altitude, is that right? Yes, actually, Tawang district, our study happened between 1100 meters to 4200 meters. And the additional pattern in Tawang district is like 700 to 7000 meters. But all regions are not accessible. So whichever was accessible to us, we did on it. And the, frankly speaking, the climates and the forest types are very, very different in different altitudinal bands. So that's what we had a very interesting patterns of different bees and their uh, community structures we have found in there. So we know that entomologists and taxonomists such as yourself really care about these new species. Um, but why should your discovery be important to non-scientists as well? That's a very nice question, actually. Uh, because as earlier I said that uh, people normally refers to bees as honeybees only. And uh, we all know that bees are very much important for uh, pollination system. So this ecosystem service is given by uh, given by bees to us for free. So now we are not valuing it that much. Uh, in most of the areas, people are actually doing beekeeping on uh, Apis mellifera, uh, which is uh, in India, in Indian context, not a native species. So this pollination of different bees, their potential for pollination of different crop species in different regions could be a very... Uh, nice way to approach on the conservation issues of bees. Because if people know that, if I ask you that, uh, do you like coffee? Then most of the people will say yes. But they will be astonished if I say them that uh, if all bees disappear from world right now, then there will be no coffee after four years. The All the genetic pool coffees are having, they will only be surviving for coming four years. And after that, coffee will be wiped out. So this is not only about coffee, but many other crops which are particularly de are dependent on bees for pollination. So not only scientists and taxonomists, but also common people should also get into it. And I can see that uh, in European countries, people are actually very much interested in citizen science and they are growing their pollinator-friendly habitats on their backyard garden. So that's a very welcome idea they have already taken up. And also, bees are very much famous for their recreational purposes, for what we get out of from them, like poetry and other cultural aesthetics. That's such a good point. I, I really love that answer as well. So you didn't do this work alone. Do you have anybody to thank for this research? Actually, I want to thank my supervisor, Dr. K. Subramanian, sir, who always had his guidance with me, and also others like Girish, sir, and... Uh, Jobira sir, and I would like to acknowledge the study for without whom it would not be possible. The director of uh, JSI, Dr. Thiti Manjiman, for her constant support, I am still working on these.
science is is such an important community activity. Yes, yes. Actually, the communities are only working with each other. Otherwise, uh, if we are not collaborating with each other, then uh, the work will be not will be incomplete in a way. Definitely. Yeah. Um. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Thank you. All the pleasure is mine. I am very actually. I am very uh, happy that you took interest in our study because uh, bee studies on bees in India is very scanty. Knowledge on that is very less, and uh, most of the cases uh, identifications are very much flawed because in taxonomy we have to identify species by seeing their holotypes, now, which were earlier identified to see them, and that then we can differentiate. But unfortunately, in our case, Indian case, all the specimens which were identified earlier, now, all are not present in India. Mostly are in uh, different countries like Holland, uh, Netherlands, or in America or in Britain. So getting the uh, access of those are a very uh, time taking, and sometimes impossible also. So these are uh, these uh, studies in bees of India is uh, taking a, a bit of difficult to continue. But on the brighter part, people are coming out and they are also doing many good studies. Uh, experts from uh, other regions are also coming in Southeast Asia and they are trying to do so. And uh, from Canada, I am a very big fan of uh, Lawrence Packer. He's from York University. I love his work. Dibiagioti Ghosh's paper, Description of a New Species of the Genus Seratina from the Eastern Himalayas, India, with a New Country Record, is published in Volume 9, in the Journal of Insect Biodiversity and Systematics. See the episode details for an open access link to the paper and to learn more about Dibiagioti and his work. Thanks for listening to this episode of the New Species Podcast. This podcast was created by Brian Patrick and is edited and produced by Zoe Albion. If you would like to support us, please consider subscribing to our Patreon at patreon.com slash newspeciespodcast. And if you'd like to get in touch with questions or feedback, please email us at newspeciespodcast at gmail.com. Um, is there anything else that you would like to talk about that we didn't cover? I think for common people, these are well, but because otherwise I have to get into taxonomic details of the species. So people will get bored. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure some people would love to hear all the details, but that's why, that's why they read your paper. Thank you. Thank you very much.